This is Talk of the Town. I'm Bob Cutmore. Our topic today, the Vietnam War, which has been the subject of renewed national interest following broadcast of a multi-part documentary on public television produced by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick. Locally, a documentary called The Wounds We Feel at Home aired on WMHT public television in the Capital Region. We're joined by the producer of that documentary, Matt Rogowitz, and one of the Vietnam veterans seen on that program, Gus Kapler of Amsterdam. Uh, Matt, tell us about the uh, documentary. Was that always the working title, The Wounds We Feel at Home? It was not always the working title. In fact, uh, for a while, I didn't have a title for it. Um, Of course, I wasn't going to call it the Vietnam War. Right. (laughs) Um, But something we wanted something that would evoke what it actually was about and what I think um, we could have done differently than what Ken Burns did, um, knowing that Ken Burns was going to cover the history of the whole thing. We decided to focus a lot on PTSD and what, you know, the aftermath of the war is. Mm -hmm. And and you did... uh ironically, interview one of the people that was a big part of the Ken Burns documentary uh, anyway, um, who was a a woman from Saratoga Springs, correct? Jean Marie Crocker, whose son died in Vietnam? That's correct. Um, Yes, uh, she, I found out about her early on in the process, um, right when I began um, this documentary. And I came across her, I didn't know at that time that she was in the Ken Burns documentary, um, and her story just, you know, captured me. It captured everybody that, that heard about the story. Um, she wrote a memoir. That's how I came across her story. I found it online. And for those who don't, I mean, her, her son, uh, ran away from home to, to join the correct. Vietnam War. Yeah. He ran away from home. Um, he came back, he wrote a letter, you know, he ran away from home. He came back. He wanted to join the war. Um, they, you know, tried to persuade him to not go to Vietnam. Um, but that's what he really wanted to do. He wanted to serve his country. So he went to the war and he did end up dying, I think, nine months after he went. So both you and the, the producers of the national documentary saw the same uh, memoir, like uh, in searching Correct. archives and so on. Yes, yes. How did you find Gus Kapler? Gus Kapler found us. Um, <laughs> we put a call out um, for, you know, stories. Um, and so Gus contacted the station. I believe Robin did as well, his wife. And um, he left a message on my my phone, <laughs> and it wasn't until I don't know after I read the, his book, um, mm-hmm. "Welcome Home from Vietnam," finally, that uh, I, I contacted him and decided to go along with him. Let me turn over to uh, Gus Kapler, who is a, a physician, uh, and, and that's what you did in Vietnam. You were a doctor there. I was, <coughs> excuse me, I was uh, trained as a general surgeon, general and vascular surgeon at the Medical College of Virginia. And I was drafted as an intern in 1965, was given a deferment, and I figured after five years, by 1970, it'd all be over with, but it wasn't. So I went to Vietnam right after my training, leaving my wife and two kids home, and I served as a trauma surgeon at the 85th Evacuation Hospital in Phu Bai, Vietnam, up in i Hmm. I think I saw something where you said something to the effect that it, it, in some ways, that you the experience reminded you of what you saw on the MASH television program. Yes. Uh, actually, just prior to going to Vietnam, my wife Robin and I and my sister and 
her husband, went to see the movie MASH. And Donald Sullivan is my hero because he taught me how to act and survive, and <laughs> I acted just like him. Mm. Well, and also, uh, one of the stories I recall you telling in the documentary is about maybe the first soldier you treated or, or, or one of the first, and you actually, you went with him on the helicopter when they took him to a more uh, extensive kind of medical setting. Well, what happened is that he had extensive wounds, received 106 units of blood, and his kidneys failed, and we did not have dialysis uh, capability. So I flew with him in a C-130 down to Saigon and uh, delivered him to the hospital. And immediately they severed my relationship with him. And it was traumatic for me after having uh, worked for a week to preserve his life. Mm. I mean, to some extent, I mean, you would know uh, that's medicine. But to a greater extent, that's war. In other words, no attachment to your your patients or you can't really afford emotionally to attach yourself to your patients that's the problem with medicine if, if a lot of us do get attached <laughs> and that attachment uh, when it's severed can be traumatic now especially in Vietnam you're dealing with we were dealing with 18 19 20 year olds and in 1970 uh, our country had given up so everyone I took care of that was wounded or, or maimed or deformed uh, was for no good reason. And it was sad, and I was getting very mad about it. Yeah. Mm. And it, would it be correct to say that you're really your first medical experiences were in Vietnam? I mean, you were just out of being a resident doctor or something like that? Uh, my background is uh, Four years at Cornell undergrad, then four years at Cornell Medical School in New York, then five years of residency. Uh, by the end of my residency, I, I'm a fully trained physician. I'm ready to go out and practice. And because I was drafted and they needed surgeons, I went to Vietnam instead of starting private practice. Were you ever under attack in Vietnam at the hospital? Oh, there, there, there were ground attacks and, and rocket attacks, yes. And d did you ever, like have to pick up a gun and shoot and, and so forth? Uh, we did and should not have, yeah. <laughs> we Officers were not supposed to be armed, but as the patients came in, we would, um, uh, their, their M16s and Thompsons would find their way into our hooches. And, and by the time the ground attacks occurred, uh, we might have had a little bit too much to drink, so we decided mm -hmm. not to participate. Right. right. We, we, we were never tasked to actually shoot at the enemy. We were, yeah. It's Gus Kapler, a Vietnam veteran. Back to uh, Matt Rogowitz for a, a moment. You have another Vietnam veteran in the program. Now, I mean, I, when, I didn't know he was a Vietnam veteran. It was a, a well-known local uh, political figure, Roy McDonald. That's correct. Uh, Roy McDonald was a very um, helpful um, throughout the whole process, actually, um, in research. Um, him and I worked a lot together, and he gave me a lot of books. Um, and originally, he was actually going to be kind of a, a hoster or a narrator throughout the whole thing, but the structure kind of turned out differently, so I decided to interview him instead. Mm. And you're a young relatively young, young person i mean i was yes. a, i didn't serve in vietnam i was you know i failed my physical um but um you you're you're a lot younger than that i mean 
What did you learn about Vietnam in this? Uh, well, a lot. Um, yeah, I think at a lot, most people from my generation are removed from it, and we learn, you know, learn about it in high school a little bit. But um, I read Stanley Carnow's book, um, The Vietnam War, um, and just read so many things about it to to try to learn as much as I can about the war, the facts, and also about just personal stories about the war. Um, so it was it was a big learning experience, and it, you know I'm very glad I was able to to make this documentary. This is Talk of the Town. The topic today, the Vietnam War. We're joined by Matt Rogowitz, producer of the WMHT documentary, The Wounds We Feel at Home, and Vietnam veteran Gus Kapler from Amsterdam. Our topic, the Vietnam War. We're joined by Matt Rogowitz, a producer of the WMHT documentary, The Wounds We Feel at Home. Also joined by Vietnam veteran Gus Kapler of uh, Amsterdam. Uh, Matt mentioned... Uh, Gus, that you have written a book, Welcome Home from Vietnam, Finally, a Vietnam Trauma Surgeon's Memoir. I mean, it's a well-told story, but certainly bears repeating that um, when Vietnam veterans such as yourself came back to America, they did not get the kind of reception that uh, the uh, soldiers of different of uh, previous wars. That, that's correct. Uh, uh the nation succumbed to the anti-war prote uh, protests and politicians followed. Uh, we were brought home and essentially discarded by our country. Uh, we were not re rehabilitated. Uh, we had to find our own way, which, which we did in time. And in fact, uh, by struggling with the VA system, uh, we developed protocols uh, so that current veterans have an easier time to obtain their benefits. Hmm. Did you continue as, as a surgeon? Do you continue as a surgeon when you came back to the yes, States? Yes, I, I practiced in, in Amsterdam, New York as, as a surgeon for almost 30 years, uh, retired, and uh, lived in New York City part of the year after that and taught at uh, Weill Cornell Medicine. I taught for first year of medical students. Mm-hmm. I did that for about 15 years, and uh, the curriculum changed, and I had time. And the way I dealt with my post-traumatic stress was I would storytell. It's a classic way of doing it. I uh, would, uh, my wife, Robin, would serve a spaghetti dinner, and I'd show the bloody slides afterwards, and people <laughs> would say, we'll come over for dinner, but no slides. Hmm. So uh, the stories have been told year after year, and what I did, I sat down and just put the stories in the uh, form of a book, and that's Welcome Home from Vietnam, finally. Can you tell us one of the stories? The one I, I usually relate to is that uh, uh, we were walking, a group of us were walking through the emergency department on our way to the mess hall, and there was squawking from the radio, and we could hear the voice of, of the radio man from a patrol that had inadvertently uh, stumbled upon an NVA battalion, and they were woefully outnumbered and outgunned, and they knew they were going to die, and they were asking for extraction. And you could hear the crack of the AK-47s in, in the background and the frantic calls and the noise, and gradually uh, there became a, a, a deathly eerie silence. And about 15 minutes later, a chopper brought in the, the bodies of these 10 young men, and uh, they were toned and beautiful and warm and young. 
and looked like they were asleep until you saw the uh, gaping bullet holes in their skulls, chests, and abdomens. Um, and what I state is that I, I witnessed firsthand their death. I wasn't there, but I, I, I heard them die. And it was different from uh, receiving a, a patient in the emergency room you had no attachment to. Mm-hmm. When you came home, I believe you said this in the documentary, or I read it in some of your writings that you've sent me, that um, your mother said to you, Gus, you've changed. <laughs> yes, yeah, she she did. Uh, and it, it was accusatory and almost a, a scolding, <laughs> the tone of voice I remembered from when I was younger. But everybody that just enters the service changes, and especially if you're deployed and go to a war zone, uh, you're, you're, you're forced to deal with this, um, vile, extraordinary, out of the ordinary, uh, experience and it changes you forever. And so every serviceman has changed to some degree or another. And Matt, in your, uh, documentary, The Wounds We Feel at Home, you interview, a, a therapist named Edward Tick. Uh, what is, um, uh, Mr. Tick? Uh, do he's, he in particular works with war veterans that's correct um ed tick and kate dalstead um are co-founders of soldier's heart which is based in troy new york and that is a nationwide effort um to uh help people with post-traumatic stress disorder from all wars um deal with it and uh, they take trips back to vietnam um with veterans every year and uh, they're they're very very. Uh, Ed Tick wrote a book um, mm-hmm. uh, that's very very prominent, um, and that a lot of it's helped a lot of people um, dealing with post traumatic stress disorder. The, the name of it at this moment okay. is, is escaping me. But. And and Gus, you uh, thought a lot about post traumatic stress, and you've had it right. Yes. Uh, and you've sent me some information. It's pretty. Um, say it's not complicated necessarily, but difficult. You know, somebody who's not really into science or medicine and whatnot. But I, I, is it correct to say that you think we've we don't treat uh, tr- traumatic stress uh, entirely properly? I think there's there are some very excellent treatments out there after after the horse is out of the barn, after the veteran or the active duty. Uh, individual uh, demonstrate his post post traumatic stress. Um, uh, uh, Ed Tick uh, takes veterans to back to Vietnam to visit their old enemies, and that becomes therapeutic. Uh, there's a gentleman in in um, Saratoga by the name of Bob Nevins, who actually turns out to be one of the dust off pilots that brought me my patients when we were there. I met him for the first time last fall. And here's a program called Saratoga War Horse, wherein uh, the veterans are exposed to uh, uh, horses in a closed ring, and and through the interaction, they they just feel welcome home again. A switch is turned off, and they become human. There are those and other approaches to post-traumatic stress, but my 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 thing, my quest mm-hmm. now, is that. We prevent disease with childhood immunizations. We prevent serious deaths uh, by using uh, requiring car seats, uh, uh, seat belts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's all preventive medicine. There are ways to prevent the development of post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic disorder, and suicide. Uh, 
by uh, uh, preventive measures prior to discharge uh, that are actually being used now by the Air Force to some extent, hmm. and they work, yes. What, what kind of measures? You mean pills or No, pills are, pills are what are used afterwards. Right. The VA has their uh, pill salad, and these, some, some of these young people just walk around like zombies. No, the, the most important association in the military is your unit. They define what mor- morality is. They define... If you're doing a good job, they protect you, they feed you. They're your extended family. So I propose taking this unit and putting it in a safe place. The Air Force sends their men and women to uh, Ramstein Air Base in in, uh, Germany. I mean, after they've been in combat, for example. Uh, uh, After the combat and and, uh, after being deployed in they're in a safe place, and but the most important thing is that records are not kept. Mm-hmm. If you don't keep records, there's no threat of stigma. Stigma is, is, is the age of the inductee, the age of the soldier. They're still adolescents, one. Two, uh, stigma keeps them in line. If you eliminate that stigma, they would be allowed to ventilate what they actually experienced, the, mm-hmm. the death of children, women, uh, mistakes they may mm-hmm. have made, and... The whole group would agree, yes, we did the same thing. And I'm sorry, we're almost out of time, but you also met a, a Vietnamese woman. She was a medical student of yours, and you found that very healing, if you will. Yes, I, I, I did not have a good feeling about the Vietnamese. And teaching in New York in 2013, a, an Asian woman entered the room, and that was not unusual. But when she began to speak, she spoke with... In English, with that Vietnamese accent, I had not heard in 45, 50 years. And I had a decision to make. Do I sort of treat it like I would treat the Vietnamese in Vietnam, or do I try to make a difference? And I tried to make a difference. I, we became dear, dear friends. Uh, and we we're going to attend a wedding in, in Louisiana in a couple of weeks. And she was the one who uh, finally welcomed me home, yes. You've been listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590 and 100.5 FM. The topic, the Vietnam War. The guests, Matt Rogowitz, producer of the WMHT-TV documentary, The Wounds We Feel at Home. And a Vietnam veteran interviewed for that production, Gus Kapler of Amsterdam, author of the book, Welcome Home from Vietnam, Finally. This program will be available soon as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com.